Hi, patrons. It's Rose, as always. Uh, this is the bonus podcast episode for the switcheroo episode of the Bodies mini season um, about body swapping. So uh, this episode, you may have noticed, my voice sounds a little different. Um, and by this episode, I mean the switcheroo episode, probably not this particular episode you're listening to. Um, but the switcheroo episode, my voice sounds slightly different than it normally does because the couple days before, the weekend before, I was in D.C., for a wedding. Two of my very, very dear friends were getting married to each other. And it was lovely and amazing and just a beautiful, incredible wedding um, at which I did a lot of very loud talking slash yelling slash uh, singing and also consumed some adult beverages. So my voice was a little bit hoarse uh, by the time I got back. So you may have not noticed, but I did notice that it sounded different. Um, if you heard the last bonus episode, at the very end, I did a secret, and that secret involved this wedding. It was about a vocal algorithm that I trained to sound like these two friends of mine based on hours and hours of them giving talks that I pulled down from like YouTube and stuff. And I mentioned in that episode that I was not sure <laughs> how well that was going to go, uh, whether they would think that it was creepy or not. Um, so I trained this algorithm, and I had it uh, basically talk to them from the future, give them advice from the year 2069, their 50th wedding anniversary. Um, and I was worried that they were going to be like, what is this? This is so creepy. But they loved it. It was great. It went over super well. Um, I had nothing to worry about. So I'm really happy that they liked it. And the wedding was just great. It was so fun. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of if you noticed my voice being kind of weird, that's why. Um, this episode, Switcheroo, about body swapping, um, I cut a couple of different things. So here's a couple things that I cut. One of them was sort of a section that tried to really dig into kind of the more theoretical side of, of what it means to have a body and sort of all the ways that sort of scholars and academics have thought about that question. And this is something that I talked to Krizia and Sav about for a while in our interview, and I wanted to use it um, but I didn't end up using most of it in part because I feel like, at least for me personally, as someone who has a background in science, it can sometimes be harder for me to feel like I am really understanding some of these humanities arguments. Um, and in part, that's because a lot of them are really philosophical and really theoretical and really dependent on you having read deeply into the literature. Um, and that's true of science too, right? You you should know what came before. But I think that for me, at least, it's a little bit harder sometimes to feel like I have a really strong grasp on some of these more philosophical academic discussions because I haven't read all of that background. So a lot of the time in the humanities, your argument is really, really predicated on a ton of reading of scholars who came before you and um, ways of thinking that came before you. And there are these shorthands for how to think about the body. And, you know, Cartesian duality is one of those shorthands that we used and we explained in this season, but there are a lot of other ones that people will say and that if you aren't familiar with them and if you haven't read the literature, can be kind of hard, I think, to understand. Um, I have read some of the literature. I've tried to read a lot of those books and a lot of the papers, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not an academic and I'm not um, a philosopher, so I have not read all of them. And... 
I so I had this section in the episode where we sort of got really sort of galaxy brain about like where does your body begin and where does it end and how do different people think about that. But I felt like I was having to kind of jump in to the conversation and do a ton of explaining about like, oh, that's this person who believed this and that's this academic tradition who believes that. And it started to feel a little bit hard to keep track of and also a little bit like philosophy 101 that people might not want to hear on a a podcast. So I wound up cutting it. Um, I do think it's really interesting, but I, I often find this with episodes that are more philosophical and more theoretical. I sometimes have a hard time feeling like um, I'm giving you something that you can really like grasp and hold on to and understand, maybe in part because I don't always feel like I grasp and hold on to and understand it. Um, and that's sort of a constant challenge for me. I do want to do more episodes that are less about sort of a very specific physical hard science question. Um, but it is a challenge to kind of get across some of these ideas in podcast form when you have a short period of time. And so many of them are so deeply uh, dependent on sort of a, a vast library, basically, of, of past thinking. So um, that's something that I think a lot about when I do these sorts of more philosophical, thinky episodes. Um, the other thing I cut, which I mentioned in the episode, is information about the Buckley case. So Buckley versus Metro North. Um, there are a lot of sort of interesting bits and pieces about this case that sort of we didn't really have time to get into on the episode, but Buckley sued Metro North for emotional distress, as I said in the episode, and he sued under the Federal Employers Liability Act, which was passed in the early 1900s um, in response to railroads being just terrible, very, very negligent, really putting their workers into really unsafe conditions and not really caring about it. And so the Federal Employees Liability Act is meant to kind of make that kind of negligence criminal so that you can't just do whatever to your workers. You have to actually think about their safety before you just like throw them into situations or ask them to do things. Um, The Buckley case is also interesting because the Supreme Court's decision um, had a couple of different pieces to it. One of them I mentioned in the episode, which is that they sort of argued that you need to have a physical dis- or you need to have a physical injury in order to sustain emotional distress. And we'll come back to that in a second. Um, the other thing that the Supreme Court talked about in their decision is wanting to make sure that they didn't open up courts to a ton of frivolous lawsuits. Right? Courts are already kind of overburdened, and there are already too many cases for people to deal with. And so they wanted to make sure they weren't opening the door to a ton of just kind of frivolous lawsuits. Um, And Buckley didn't really do himself any favors on this front because there were a couple of things that he did and said that really kind of made people wonder whether he was taking this seriously or whether he was seriously even afraid of cancer. Um, You know, his case is dependent on emotional distress, this idea that he was so afraid of getting cancer. Um, from this asbestos. But he didn't really show that many symptoms or signs of being that afraid or that anxious. He also didn't ever receive psychiatric treatment. Um, In his own words, quote, what is a psychiatrist going to do for me? End quote. Um, He also didn't stop smoking cigarettes, uh, even though he knew that smoking cigarettes caused cancer. So on the one hand, you have him saying that he was so, so, so afraid of getting cancer from this asbestos. And on the other hand, you have him smoking cigarettes, which he knows, cause cancer. So there's sort of a couple things that he did that did not really help him out in a lot of ways. Um, 
His lawyers really, really relied on precedent from another case from earlier, um, not that much earlier, but from a couple years earlier. And that case is also really interesting. So that case is Marchica versus Long Island Railroad. So this is the 1990s. It's 1993. Um, and this is a case where a, a welder for the Long Island Railroad was doing his work and he was stuck in the hand with a discarded hypodermic needle which contained blood in it, um, and the needle punctures his skin. So the case is he sues Long Island Railroad um, under the Federal Employers Liability Act saying that um, saying that they failed to maintain uh, a safe workplace, that there were these needles around and his workplace was not in a reasonably safe condition. And his case was really focused on psychological injury. So yes, he was pricked by the needle, but the thing that the case really focused on was that Marchica became so obsessed and so paranoid about getting AIDS. So this is 1993. This is like peak AIDS phobia. People are losing their minds. There's so much misinformation about AIDS and how you get it and how it's transmitted and how what it is. People are talking about getting it from toilet seats. It's just like there's all of this sort of really rampant AIDS phobia happening in the 1990s. And so his case really is a really good example of AIDS phobia. In the case, he describes how afraid he was of getting AIDS um, from this needle prick. And he was so afraid that he says he experienced vomiting, sleeplessness, rashes, anxiety. He lost 30 pounds. His wife and his coworkers said that he was just crying all the time. Um, and that's all because he was so afraid of getting AIDS. Now, Buckley didn't really exhibit these sort of severe manifestations of emotional distress. You know, was he distressed? I don't know. Like, I, I can't say that. I don't know him. But um, he didn't have that same kind of set of symptoms that uh, Martika had. But the cases are really similar. And there's a reason why Buckley used this case or Buckley's lawyers used this Marchika case as precedent because Marchika won his case. He won his case. And Buckley didn't. And the big difference that the court said when they sort of compared them was that Marchika had physical injury because that hypodermic needle pricked his skin, whereas Buckley did not. Breathing in all that asbestos was still not considered a physical injury. So both of them are really suing for basically the same thing, this emotional distress, fear of getting a thing that neither of them ever got. So Buckley, as far as I can find, never got cancer, and Marchika never got AIDS. Both of them sued for emotional distress, worrying about getting this thing that they never got. But Marchika, because he was pricked by the hypodermic needle, because it stuck him, he won his case, and Buckley did not. So I think that's really interesting, because to me, breathing in a ton of asbestos that feels like a physical injury. Like that's, we know that's so unsafe. We know that's so bad for you. And it just feels kind of weird that these two things were considered so differently. But that's just me. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> um, the other sort of interesting thing about the Buckley case is that it's um, often brought up as an example of situations where courts have a really hard time dealing with and thinking about future harm. Um, and so we know that with toxin exposure, it often takes a really long time for the actual impact to be seen. So in the case of asbestos, it's usually about 10 years before you wind up seeing an impact from that exposure. And that's the case with a lot of toxins. It can take 5, 10, 15, 20 years before you wind up seeing kind of the ramifications of being exposed to all that stuff. 
And sometimes that means that basically the statute of limitations has ended. You can't sue anymore because it's been too long. And other times it's just really hard to prove conclusively that whatever it is you got, whether it's cancer or something else, conclusively, absolutely, definitely, for sure, came from the toxin you were exposed to. Um, There's a really great book about this called Tom's River by Dan Fagan, which I highly recommend. And it's sort of about pollution and the ways in which it's so, so, so hard to prove that these kinds of exposures actually create an impact later on down the line. Because people get cancer all the time for all different reasons. It could just be random. Like, how do you know for sure that it's because you were exposed to this toxin and not just a fluke or some other thing that caused it? Um, and so it's there's this long history of trying to figure that out. The Buckley case is sometimes referenced within that sort of context. Um, so that's the Buckley case. Um, the last thing I'll talk about that I cut was a section about the eugenic history of the body as a machine philosophy. So Sav and Krizia are both really active in the disability studies world. And one of the things that they both actively critique in their work is the ways in which futurism and tech leave out disabled bodies. And this is like a thing I've talked about on the show a lot. You all know this is kind of like one of my um, hot button issues that I have on the show all the time. And we've talked even about eugenics before on the show. So in the CRISPR episode, um, I talked about that with Alice Wong and some other people. So I left this out of this particular episode. But there is something to be said for the ways in which this idea of our body as a machine kind of interfaces and is really useful in the eugenic project. So um, eugenics is um, really invested in the idea of creating the perfect society and the perfect set of bodies to be used either by the state or by some company or by some society. And this idea that like these bodies have to be perfectly calibrated machines so to perfectly function within our society and be perfect workers for the state or for a company. Um, It's definitely embedded within a lot of the conversations about body as machine and in the future and all this stuff. So I I didn't put that in the episode because we've kind of talked about it in other episodes and I didn't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. But but that's sort of a thing that Sav and Krizia and I talked about a lot that I kind of wound up cutting out. Um, Okay. Those are all the things that I was going to tell you about that I cut from the episode. Uh, The book club just voted on its June book. So the book for June is called Superior, The Return of Race Science by Angela Saini. Last month, we read The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. And you are going to get to hear an interview with Cameron about that book in your feeds later this week. I just did it this morning and it was very fun. Cameron is very funny, um, even though the book is somewhat depressing. (laughs) But we talk about all that stuff on the um, interview in the interview. So you'll hear it later this week. Okay. Um, that is all for this bonus episode. At the end, I always give a secret, um, a la Allie Ward. I was thinking about this recently. This is not the secret, but one thing I think about a lot when it comes to flash forward is like, I don't know. I look at shows like Ologies by Allie Ward, which is great. And she's great. And other science podcasts that are so, um, heavily personality driven. So like Ologies is amazing because obviously the ologists, the people she interviews are great, but ologies is really great because Allie has this really great personality that comes through in the show. It's like as much about Allie as it is about the ologists. And you really kind of get to know her and her personality and what she's like. 
Um, and flash forward is kind of not like that. Flash forward is not really about me. I try to kind of be as invisible in some ways as I can, just kind of showing you these futures. And sometimes I pop in with my opinion, obviously, and obviously my voice is the one that you hear. Um, but I, I, for the longest time, was kind of resisting being a personality on the show or sort of having the show be too much about me. And I think that's because I'm a journalist and that's sort of part of my training. Um, but also because I think it's really easy to do it in a way that's annoying. <laughs> I think I listen to some podcasts where I'm like, I don't care about you. Just get to the stuff. Um, but I also sort of feel like, you know, it might be easier to build an audience when there's a personality that you can kind of connect to. I mean, Reply All is a good example, right? Like people like Reply All because they tell great stories. But people also like Reply All because PJ and Alex, the hosts, are like, people and they're, you can get to know them and you have this feeling about their personality. Startup is the same way. Um, you know, science versus is the same way. You kind of really feel like you're getting to know the personality behind the show. And I don't know, maybe I should do more of that on Flash Forward, but it does make me feel slightly uncomfortable. I am slightly like jealous of shows where you can like just be yourself and, you know, put all this stuff in. And I often end up cutting a lot of the little asides where I'm like, here's a joke or here's like a thing. Cause I'm just like, who cares what I think about this? And my jokes are not very funny. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I am somewhat envious of people who can kind of drive a show via personality as opposed to via like deep, intense research, which is sort of my method. <laughs> not that those other shows aren't doing deep, intense research. Uh, I think they often are. Um, but I do sort of wonder like whether or not I should be trying to put more of myself in Flash Forward. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, you're getting a lot more of me in these bonus episodes than I put in the show. Um, and maybe you listen to these and you're like, please don't put more of this in the show because this is terrible. And maybe you listen to these and you're like, yeah, put more of it. I, I don't know. Um, I would be curious what you think. Anyway, that is a very long wind up to the secret that I was going to tell you. Um, but it didn't, it made me think of it. Um, the secret that I was going to tell you is also related to the wedding that I went to this past weekend. It sort of consumed my life for a couple days. Um, and that is that, so I am not a person who really wears makeup. I think I wear makeup maybe like a couple times a year for events. Um, if I have to give a talk, I might like throw on a little bit of eyeliner, but I'm generally incompetent when it comes to makeup. I don't really know what anything is. I've walked into a Sephora twice and the first time I had to leave because it was so overwhelming. Um, and I just don't know. I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not a makeup person. Um, I wish I was. I see people do stuff with makeup where I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. People do amazing stuff. I'm not one of those people. And so for this wedding, it was kind of formal and I have like, I wore a sparkly blue jumpsuit, um, like a full sequined blue jumpsuit, which I was very stoked about. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to like buy some makeup and I'm going to like do something fun and sparkly or something. So I went to Sephora and I bought some stuff. Do I know what all of it does? Not really. And so then I tried to do a, a test run because I know that I cannot trust myself to try to do it in like the hour before the wedding. Um, so I did a test run and the wedding's colors or the colors for the, um, the people in the bridal party. I was the best man. They were navy. So we were all wearing navy. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do navy for the eye makeup. And so I, you know, put a little bit of navy sparkly stuff. I, you know, I'm working, working, working. I look in the mirror and I look like I've got two black eyes because I have just like navy eyeshadow on my eye. I don't know how to apply it. I don't know what I'm doing. I've watched some YouTube tutorials. Not, it's not going well. And I just like couldn't stop laughing because it truly looked like I had been punched in the face. Um, not the best, not the best. So I ditched the blue and I went with just like regular sort of white clear sparkles. Um, and it was fine. I, no one's looking at you when you're not the bride uh, when you're at a wedding. So it was totally fine. Um, 
but it was very funny that I like failed very badly on the first first attempt. Um, Okay, that's all I have for you. Uh, You'll hear from me again later this week with the bonus episode interview with Cameron Hurley. Um, And until then, I hope you have a great whatever it is you're doing.